Yep, cartoons, cartoons. Welcome to the Futile Podcast. Tonight, it's Ian and... Well, uh, Eduardo M. Fryer, uh, known as uh, Lord Ed, if you run around any of the uh, the G.I. Joe message boards. And uh, also just known as, hey, Eduardo M. Fryer, uh, if you've ever listened to the uh, Doctor Who podcast, Mark Who 42's Hooniverse. Oh, wow. There's only one of those Doctor Who podcasts, or... <laughs> Well, we're the coolest one, and that's all that matters. Awesome, awesome. How long have you guys been doing it? Uh, we started last year, like around September. Oh, cool. uh, we had a different format to begin with, but uh, now we you know, we go over episodes. We, uh, we've gone over previous doctors. We've gone over other characters and concepts. So, you know, we're just we're all about Doctor Who. Cool. Uh, cool. Hell, tomorrow we're going to be uh, recording another episode. Uh, as we record this uh, tonight, uh, there's another new episode of Doctor Who uh, called Cold War. And, you know, we're going to, me and one of the other co-hosts, who happens to be my girlfriend, uh, love you, honey, um, you know, we're going to be watching that. And, uh, you know, tomorrow we'll, uh, we'll record and we'll give our, uh, our opinions. Hopefully it's a good one. Okay, yeah, I'm, I've, I've kind of gotten into that through Netflix and sort of the newer stuff, and I mean, I mainly got interested in that show, Doctor Who, through uh, Stephen Moffat because of the Sherlock show, and I um, just think he's a really solid, really good writer, so I'd heard good things about what he was doing with the character. So I'm probably a season or so behind because I'm only watching it on Netflix. I don't have like BBC America or however people are seeing it here more timely. But um, for your podcast, like how... Uh, would you recommend that it's like a, do you have like a warning at the front? Like, you know, you better have seen the darn episode cause we're going to really talk about it. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, when, when we've been handling, when we've been handling the new episodes, we, mm-hmm. uh, we do put, Hey, there's going to be spoilers. So, you know, if you're listening to the podcast, you haven't seen the episode, hit the pause button, go back, watch the episode, come back. Right. Yeah. Cool. Otherwise, cool. otherwise, don't send emails going. Oh my God! How could you reveal that you know Rory ended up being a Dalek in disguise? You know, oh no! I didn't know that. It's like you would have known that if you had watched the episode. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, then, fair and, warning for anyone. Yeah, then. and it, no, that wasn't, and that was not an actual spoiler. I I oh. pulled that one out of thin air. That's always good when you can do one of those, and then and then chances are it will happen in a couple episodes. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> Cool. Hasn't happened yet. Well, I'll have to check him out eventually. But we're not talking about Doctor Who tonight, despite the fact that we've been talking kind of about it a little. Uh, we're talking about, um, I guess, we're talking about the end of the end of a of an era Just, to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, yep. uh, with Warner and cartoons and Bruce Timm's yeah. leaving and everything. Uh, it's a little sad, I guess. Um, yeah. But, well, no, especially because the the, uh, the guy who was showrunner for Young Justice was Greg Weissman, and mm-hmm. he did Gargoyles, which was probably one of the coolest cartoons of the 90s. Uh, you know, it would be, in, in my personal top five, it would be right there with Batman the Animated Series, with the X-Men cartoon, with Exosquad. You know, that would be like, that would be my tops. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I've and, seen yeah, Weissman, two of those. Weissman, you know, Weissman's proven that he's a, that he's an awesome, you know, he's an awesome head writer, you know, that he's great at world building. And, 
I kind of I, when I first heard that uh, Young Justice was you know being put out to pasture, I was like, again, you know, <laughs> what is it? You know, what is it with you know network execs that you know, or the powers that be that run these studios that, you know, Weissman comes up with all these awesome concepts and ideas and, you know, they just go, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. yeah Especially know. when, you know, when, when you see like all the stuff he did with young justice, I was like, come on, really? Seriously? Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I mean, I, I started watching it from the beginning and then, um, missed the middle and then just recently caught up on like the last six or seven episodes of, of the, of the conclusion. And it definitely seems like he had, a sort of like with the justice league unlimited where they had that second season where it's all kind of more serialized, um, which was not a storytelling method they really used in any of the older DC animated series for the most part. I mean, they'd, They'd grow characters and they'd develop things and they'd have things like, you know, Harvey Dent's in episodes and go, you know, then becomes Two Face and like, so there's, there's more depth there, but it, it wasn't uh, so much like a, a season had like a, a main villain guided arc of, you know, intrigue and, and stuff, except for in that second season of Justice League Unlimited, I think. Um, yeah, and, the whole. I, I got that with... feeling with. Yeah, 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 the whole feeling, the whole thing, the whole, with, the whole uh, Cadmus thing with Justice League. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what that's what they were going. They, it, it was actually like that. Even I think with season one, before they did season two and the five year jump, you had things kind of running from one episode to the other. I thought the structure of having uh, a timestamp, like you know, oh, this is taking place October thirteenth, uh, two thousand whatever at. 5:53 a.m. So you could say, "Oh, wow, this much time has gone by since, yeah, you know, last scene." You know, that's I thought that was interesting, and yeah, it does create kind of a serialized, uh, you know, serialized format, and it does create an interesting flow with the series. For sure, and it it it, it does two things. One is kind of good, and one is kind of bad. I mean, I go back and forth. I was just recently watching the first couple episodes of that Hannibal series, and I go back and forth with. The, the use of, of like you said yeah, insert cards timestamps what, whatever for uh, for television shows for procedurals and stuff um, I, I feel like it, it does kind of well it breaks the illusion of course but whatever and uh, it, it does kind of uh, I don't know I don't know it's tr it's tricky with me but but I did you, you're right in this case what it seems like it's doing is it's it's putting a ticking clock in the whole show pretty much like okay why does it matter what time it is? It gives you a sense of in the whole, you know, run of things. And when the episodes become more absolutely grounded in being serialized, and I would say you're right that the stuff they're setting up with, like the overarching uh, bad guys, the the light, the group that, that was in season one, um, ends up having payoff into season two and, and everything else. So it did seem like it had a whole um, yeah, and even you know even something. I mean, even something like, uh, I don't know, uh, have you been like a long-time DC Comics fan? Um, not entirely. I, I fell out of comics for 15 years. I was into comics right when like they were really hooking everybody, X-Men cartoon, Batman cartoon, yeah. and then breaking Batman's back and all this other stuff. So <laughs> I was a big X-Men guy and Batman guy back in the mid, mid to early 90s and then kind of fell out of it when it, all of a sudden, you know, Grant Morrison shows up and does JLA and all this awesome stuff happened about like a year before, after I quit reading comics for a while. So I've been backpedaling on some of it and I'd say I'm pretty thorough with Batman. I've never been a huge Superman guy. 
I've read some of the Justice League stuff, and now with the new 52, I'm sort of trying to explore more of it. But ultimately, I think I'm really just... In the perfect world, I'd be the guy, the guy that reads a handful of cool image indie comics, quote-unquote, and um, you know, a handful of Batman comics and tries not to get too you know, perpetually snared into other things. Yeah, but, no, um, I... I mean, I, I've always been into – I've been into – ever since I got into comics, I've always been into comics. If anything changes, it's just my taste. You know, right. I'll be a fan of this book, then I'll drop. Uh, you know, I'll become uh, a, a fan of this book. You know, I'll, I'll be more DC at one point, and then I'll switch to being more Marvel. But uh, the reason I ask is that, um, you know, for example, yeah, when you talk about payoff in – Young Justice, you had the character of Glorious God, of, uh, you know, Gordon Godfrey. Right. And, you know, for those of you who are comic fans, you know, like me and who are familiar, Gordon Godfrey is actually uh, the new God character, Glorious Godfrey. And that whole subplot seems like it was lifted from a DC crossover called Legends, where. You know, you had Gordon Godfrey doing what he did in the cartoon. You know, going, can we really trust these superheroes? Blah blah blah. You know, right. Blah 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 blah. Rush Limbaugh, uh, mm. you know, Rush Limbaugh parody. Blah 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 blah. You know, it's, I mean, so the minute I saw him, I'm like, oh, you know, this. I, we know that apocalypse is coming. So I'm like, oh, Dark Side's gonna come. Dark Side's gonna come. And I have to admit, that's one of the things that had me kicking the wall when. Uh, when I saw the last episode is, yeah, they showed Darkseid. So I'm guessing yeah. that Iceman was going to do Apocalypse for season three, but, you know, unless he's going to, unless he's going to uh, continue that in comic book form or in like a direct to DVD movie, we'll never know. And that seems like a reasonable thing. I mean, it's, I didn't read a heck of a lot of press about the conclusion of the show because I hadn't finished it yet at the time. But it did sound like he, he, as a writer was saying, you know, he, he, he put it, he put a bow on the end of it, but like, you know, left it open for continuance. And so I could see the possibility if, if, if the well runs dry on the, on the directed to DVD things of them um, go, going to it. You're right. I would say, um, like, not being a huge DC guy, not knowing, you know, that much about, you know, all the new God things and everything, I would say that what they, what they did in the old shows, by old shows, I mean you know the '90s stuff. Yeah, not that, not that old. Please. Not that old, God. but yeah, yeah. Um, not that old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, and I've been thinking about what they're talking about with the live action stuff now, trying to go for the Justice League movie and everything. And it's like I, you can almost see how whether they did it on purpose or just kind of worked out that way, they've kind of inadvertently started to set up things the way that the DC animated the old DC animated universe was where it was started with Batman it started with a fairly realistic world and a, a few seasons of that and then introduced Superman and his world and grew, grew things out and I mean the smartest thing that they did with Superman because they noted like well most of his rogues are pretty lame I mean making Luther the uh like guy that runs that city was a smart move, you know, instead of just being mad scientist Luther, he's like corporate billionaire, you know, intellectual rival and everything else. And so that made him a compelling villain. And then the introduction of aliens and things into Superman's world was just like a smart plan on the part of the guys that were doing that series because all of a sudden there were, you know, there were bad guys that 
that could contest him. It wasn't just Toy Man building a giant rubber robot that he, you know, would knock over. <laughs> and that yeah, would be like, exactly. that episode yeah, was kind of lame. Uh, it wasn't Prankster flooding Metropolis with a giant water-skirting flower. It wasn't just... Yeah. It wasn't just Luther taking a henchman and going, here, wear that power armor. Right, exactly. Um, which, which, you know, there were good elements and character stuff in some of those episodes. And the way they did it through having it be like a weapon smuggling thing with Intergang, and then it kind of slowly revealing, you know, Apocalypse and, and all of that, um, I thought that was really good. And then they knew kind of at that point, from that point on, and when they moved into Justice League, and especially in Justice League Unlimited, they knew, like, that was their main villain. And it, I don't know if that if that's always been the way that ever since the creation of those characters, the new gods and everything, the way that DCs run things, but it seems like for the most part that that villain has always been kind of the, the upper, the, the main guy for if, if well, it's going to be a side, whole I mean, world thing. Yeah, you know, the dark side, uh, as far as being a DC villain, yeah, he is, he is kind of a go-to if you want like a huge cosmic menace type. Uh, sometimes it's a bit of a crutch because, you know, you, there are times where you're like, Dark Side again? Right, yeah. But, you know, it's, yeah, if you ever need, like, a, uh, you know, sometimes writers, if they need a, a go to bad guy, yeah, are like, okay, let's let's pull out Dark Side. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, there's a, a nice build up. Uh, a great example of that was the DC comic um, Legion of Superheroes with the Great Darkness saga. Uh, you know, I, I, I read it uh, after the fact, you know, in trade paperback, so. Right. The cover pretty much spoils it because you have his head right there. But <laughs> reading the comics themselves, you know, he's pretty much in the shadows, and then finally you get this big reveal where, you know, one of the characters is like, oh, crud, it's Dark Side. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, God, yeah, we're in trouble now. Definitely, definitely. But, you know, going, going back to the, um, the show, Young Justice, but yeah, they, they built up, you know, they built up to this uh, season two cliffhanger reveal of uh oh you know now we're you know we just we just finished dealing with the reach you know they're they're taken care of but uh oh now we have dark side waiting in the wings yeah yeah and you're right it's a good place to to leave it off um i mean from from my perspective i guess i guess i'd have to ask you um in reading the the wikipedia stuff just to sort of you know fill the gap in the in in, in between part where i i would say i watched probably three quarters of the first season and then probably only got in on like the last quarter of the second season in terms of episodes I've seen. Um, right. The Wikipedia didn't make it clear that there was a five-year jump. It almost made it sound like it was the next day and I'm like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense given the way that they look like they've aged the characters up and like Robin's now Nightwing or <laughs> at the same time I was kind of scratching my head trying to figure out like what, what actually... So maybe you can kind of do like a general fill fill in for for the audience and for me a little about so what happens I mean because they're mostly episodic stuff to a degree at the beginning setting the characters up setting the relationships up and it's it's got a lot of that like you know relationship stuff and young teenager kids stuff because that's kind of they're trying to hit that broader market of not just being an action cartoon but also kind of catering to this new advent of kind of I don't know what um, if Saved by the Bell started it or what, but like the you know, teen soap opera kind of stuff. <laughs> well, actually, I'll, I'll well, I have to say that actually the teen soap opera was not that much. I mean, yeah, you did have a few things here and there, like Superboy and uh, and Megan, but it wasn't upfront. And actually, that's one of the things that I think really got me into the series 
is that when I first heard of Young Justice coming out, I was like, okay, you know, I hope this is good because, you know, I thought Teen Heroes, you know, I, I was hoping it wouldn't get too angsty. Like, I got to be honest, and I'm sure that you're going to get emails and they're going to want to hang me Go up against first. the wall. I did not like Teen Titans. Like, I personally did not like Teen Titans. I didn't like the animation they used. Uh, I didn't like the aesthetic. I thought it was cool that they did do adaptations of stories like uh, The Judas Contract, and, you know, I did kind of like that whole uh, Robin as Red X or whatever the character was called. So it had some good points, but I just, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it very much. You know, I didn't like the style. It kind of felt to me like uh, some American executive's idea of what anime should be, and it was just, and just the way that they, they did the, they showed the series and commercials and stuff and advertised it and, you know, what they were trying to go for. So, uh, you know, when Young Justice came out, I was hoping that it wasn't going to be a rehash of that. And yeah. I was surprised. That's next. You know, a lot, you know, I, it's, again, I also did a, when Batman Beyond came out, you know, I was just like, you know, I would do a joke where it's like, you know, geez, can we not have an episode where the main character's like, oh my God, the city's going to get destroyed by a nuke, but I have finals tomorrow. <laughs> it's one of these things, like, even, even as I was like, getting out of high school, I was just like, you know, honestly, I don't care. Can we go to the plot with the saving the city from being destroyed? You know, the heck with finals. Yeah, right. So I'm glad that this this didn't uh, really touch on that. I mean, we did have a few high school-centric things, season one, but that pretty much was just, you know, one or two episodes, and then it was kind of brushed off. And that's the other thing that I like about uh, the five-year jump which was, you know, it had the characters grow, you know, it put them in some new places, you know, because the danger, especially with comics, is that, you know, you take a character and they have to be frozen. Yeah, they have to stay 25 forever or whatever. Yeah, they have to stay 25 or they have to be uh, late teens, you know, this kind of nebulous thing yeah. and, you know, not growing. So it was nice that uh, Weissman had that five-year jump between season one and season two. Definitely. So, you know, you did have did have characters grow. I mean, that, yeah, and it was used to kind of put some, some ideas that stuff happened, you know, like uh, apparently somewhere in the five-year jump, we did get Jason Todd and what happened in his whole death thing. You know, I mean, they didn't out and out say it, but you have hints and things like that. Uh, you know, something had happened. They introduced um, Aqua Girl in one episode of season one, and apparently in the five-year jump, she had been a superheroine and had been killed. You know, and that was used as sort of the motivation for why Aqualad had gone bad. You know, of course, oh, we find out that, you know, of course, we find out that, you know, Aqualad was like doing the double agent thing. But yeah, I mean, I honestly, I thought that the five-year jump was kind of cool, you know, so that, that way we could get also get away from the whole uh, you know high school aspect you know we could kind of leave that behind and I also kind of liked how they used it to introduce also some some more new characters like we got Batgirl we had uh, Beast Boy you know they brought uh, a couple of season one characters they brought them into the team so I, I thought that was cool you know yeah, I mean, I some I hear people that kind of bemoan. It's like, oh, my God, too many characters. And, you know, it's one of those things where I just want to say, you know, will you relax? Not every episode has to be about Nightwing. Uh, not every episode has to have Superboy. You know, maybe you could have some episodes where, yeah, it's, uh, 
you know, McGon, Batgirl, Kid Flash, and, uh, you know, and uh, Huntress. You know, there you go. You know, it's, I mean, that's okay. That's okay to have. You know? Yeah, I mean, and they even, you know, they even gave Booster Gold his own episode in Justice League Unlimited, so, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, they, you know, Justice, like, yeah, Justice League Unlimited is, I think, the perfect, again, the perfect example, you know, because you had the team basically had almost every hero in the DC universe. And yeah, that wasn't a problem because, you know, you could just uh, do episodes that focus on a small handful of characters and, you know, just have a whole bunch of people in cameos. And just, or just in the second season, kind of just know how to use him, like with the use of the the question and Captain Marvel and stuff like that was, that was what really turned me back around to it. I was sitting there kind of half watching that stuff. Um, um, yeah, not really as as into it. And then I, I saw one of the season two episodes, or towards the end of season two, where it was like, I remembered uh, one of those commentaries when when Tim Bruce Tim was talking about how like he like storyboarded like the fight between like Superman and um, Darkseid and stuff. And I'm like, <sighs> he probably storyboarded this fight between you know Superman and Captain Marvel that destroys an entire city. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. So that that kind of got me back into the cartoons. And then the thing that um, that Dwayne McDuffie did with uh, with the Flash and the follow up episode after that was really cool. I I thought that was that was a great payoff for that character being kind of the comedic relief for for so long, and then kind of like giving him like a really awesome moment. Um, and then to do the Batman Beyond slash Batman animated series presumably you know show closer to end season yeah. two was like something i thought like well, that's gutsy they're calling back to all this stuff that you'd have to have really followed to get like most of it you know like literally like visually it's a reference to the first episode of batman the animated series with the oh yeah that, that final yeah. that final shot at the end with the uh, batman batman terry the terry yeah. batman around you have the guys in the car and it's like hey what's that you know Complete with, I think, the voice of Batman voicing a pilot like he did in uh, that first episode. Yeah, yeah. That was so, but yeah, that yeah, and, and Young Young Justice again. Yeah, I like how they, um, you know, again, just going off with that payoff, going off with all that, you know, just setting these things up. Uh, you know, the the constant, you know, like they had the whole thing with um, with uh, Artemis. I'm sorry, I almost made the mistake of calling her Huntress again. Yeah. But yeah, you, have, you know, you have Artemis uh, as Tigris infiltrating the uh, the Light's forces, you know, and helping Aqualad out, and you know how that got a payoff. And I will say this: that episode did feel a little rushed. And I don't know. A part of me kind of wondered, you know, is that because they thought they were on borrowed time, or you know? Oh, but, it was, but it was, but it was, but it was kind of cool to see like. You know, to see that paid off and, you know, to kind of see how uh, also how what was kind of inventive is instead of a huge, you know, knockdown drag out fight between everybody and their mother, how it was, you know, this carefully planned, uh, you know, thing where it's like, oh, well, while you were paying attention to the right hand, the left hand was doing this. <laughs> and guess what? Your whole thing is exposed. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Bye. Yeah, I think no. all you know, also, the sure. thing the thing that I like is that, you know, throughout season two, you know, you have the heroes kind of up against the wall because, number one, you know, they took out all the big guns. You know, there's no there's no help from Superman. There's no help from Wonder Woman. There's no help from, you know, a bunch of character, you know, a bunch of characters. And, you know, they have to deal with basically uh, a DC animated secret invasion. 
You know, the the Earth is being invaded, but the heroes are like, but you know, the heroes can't do anything because the aliens are there publicly going, "Hey, we come in peace." Right. And it was just in, the thing. The thing that I liked is, I mean, I thinking back on season two and the whole invasion arc makes me think of the TV series V, especially right. the uh, yes. especially the remake that they had uh, a few uh, a few years ago. I got to admit, I really I started to kind of get bored with the remake because, you know, one of the things that got to me is it seems like the heroes could never do anything right. They were always, you know, the villains were always able to one-up them every single time. And while I understand that a lot of times you have to have a good villain, you know, it's it's also, you can't have the heroes just be so completely incompetent, so completely helpless, because then it kind of gets boring. You know, then it's like it's not fun anymore. It was cool uh, in Young Justice that, okay, while it did take the entire season for them to finally be able to expose the light at least they had little victories here and there like you know they were able to rescue uh, their teammates and some other kids who were kidnapped you know they were able to do this they were able to do that so you know it was kind of cool that the heroes did get some little victories here and there as they were trying to secure that big one definitely definitely and I, I agree with you I, I, I feel like the um you know, it could have been because I got in on just the very last, like, six episodes or something, but it that that whole way that they orchestrated that conclusion, it had some, some kind of, you know, old switcheroo-style stuff, which is always good, and a little bit of, of intrigue as opposed to just being, like you said, just being a punch fest or something. But it, it, was, it was kind of rushed, but, you know, it's inevitable. I mean, the guy knows, you know, he's only got so long to, to end his show, and it's animation, and it's everything else, you know. Yeah. So, so, so they did what they did, and and I, I have to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think that was my my same trepidation with the idea of the show. I thought, I mean, for me, it, it's like I'd love to to still be watching one of these cartoons, maybe. But um, uh, each time I see a new idea of a new one, I'm kind of like, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's not that I'm too old for it. I'm obviously not, but 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 it has to be a certain style it has to be a certain sensibility for me to be interested in the show and it it does come down to story for the most part like what you said about teen titans was pretty much spot on with my take on it i was like i don't think i'm interested in them being little kids in this like overly hokey manga-esque design right you know and and everything but there were every now and again i'd catch a bit and there would seem like there was some legitimate kind of you know Drama there and, and things, yeah, and they, I mean, I, I'll I'll give them points for trying. I mean, they were trying, you know. But I also have to give like negative points. For example, the ad campaign. Like I remember right, absolutely, watching yeah. TV, and and you know, the announcers like they're there for truth, justice, and the last slice of pizza. And hell, my sister, you know, I have a younger sister, and we're watching this, and we're like, Ugh. you know, we're rolling our eyes into the back of our head. And I mean, she she would be closer than I would to, you know, probably what they're going for. And, and yeah, you know, we're both we're both saying, oh come on, really, <laughs> really, you think we're that stupid? But uh, but yeah, you know, you know I mean, I think, um, and I was trepidatious about that with Young Justice because it was like, wait, it's literally got young in the title. Like it's really saying, hey, this is for the new teen audience. This is we're hitting, trying to hit these demographics. It's going to be obvious. 
And I'm yeah, like, exactly. I don't know, but, but, but a very superficial sense, I looked at the quality of the animation, and I was like, that looks like pretty solid animation. Like, it looks good. So I'll give it a shot and see, and maybe they'll get bored and throw Batman in there a bunch more or something. And, and so I gave it, like, a couple episodes, and I was impressed. The first thing that impressed me, I mean, aside from the fact that they did a decent job setting up the characters and things, which... I mean, it isn't terribly difficult considering you have so much story material you can draw on. It's not like these are, you know, whiteboard characters. It's like there's a lot there already. So, okay, the characters are set up pretty well. I'm, I'm good with that. But in a kind of another superficial thing, I just thought that the animation quality for, for the fights and stuff was really impressive, especially in that first uh, bit of the season stuff. Like, there would be, like... Two, two people would get in a fight, and it was just like they put money into it. Like it, <laughs> it looked yeah. good. We're, we're definitely have gotten far beyond He-Man style grappling. Yeah, absolutely. So I was like, okay, so it, the, the animation is solid. It's looking good, and it does seem like it's doing a serialized. Like it's it's it, little things are happening, and it's sort of building towards something. And it, like you said, the world building that that the 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 great Great, yeah, great Weissman was doing. It seemed like they had a plan. It seemed like they were organized around it. So I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll, I'll keep. I'll keep up with this. And so I'm glad I ended up getting to, uh, you know, to, to finish it. The five year jump does seem like a pretty, um, you know, ballsy thing and a dramatic thing to have done. And it, it, the funny part to me about it is that it sort of underscores what ostensibly was the big marketing value of it in the first place. It's like it's called Young Justice. We're going to make him five years older now. <laughs> yeah. but, but not hey, as young justice <laughs> yeah, but to be fair you know like for example uh i think robin was supposed to be uh 13 in season one so he's now 18 so yeah while well, they're older they're not that old you know it's right not, yeah they, it's they, not they made like preteen it's not to like one season to the next you know they now all have kids and mortgages it is this like well we have to say it's four kids it ha- on some level and it's an action show or whatever, um, so it has to be about kids, even if it's kind of not really about kids at a certain point, especially when you do get into that second season, and they're mostly, they're essentially adults <laughs> at that point. Like you know, they're like, young yeah. adults, and they're pushed in, into that situation because the uh, the proper Justice League isn't around. Yeah, and no, they, but they, they, you also have, like, uh, like, you know, for example, you also have, again, five-year jump, they introduced some new characters, so right. at least have a few, I mean, if if you're sitting there and you're one of the uh, the guys in charge and you're like, oh, I don't know if you know now having everybody be in their 20s or late, late teens is going to work, well, see, this is why you have characters like, for example, Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes, who is still in school. Yeah. You know, and they do and, – and again, they don't – fortunately, it doesn't become about, well, Jaime Reyes can't fight crime because he has a book report due. You know, they use that to uh, to get into things like, for example – you know, you had that uh, that episode with um, with his friend, uh, the uh, the Indian kid who ended up being kind of a, a redux of uh, Apache Chief. You had this whole you had this whole thing where you know the poor guy and you know the poor kid you know comes from what looks like an abusive home, and you know they got into that. I mean, yeah, it then tied into the the bigger story with the Reach and everything, but. It was a good story, and it was interesting seeing Jaime, you know, trying to play the hero in what was, you know, a delicate situation. You know, a situation that he couldn't just burst in, uh, you know, costume ablazing and just beat somebody up. You know, he had to walk around with kid glove. And that adds a lot of depth to to a show, too, when you can kind of do those little character, two, two people interacting. It's a story where, you know, you can't just, you know, solve the problem by, you know 
punching somebody or something. And again, you know, even even in the greater even in the greater story, you had how what's left of the Justice League and you know the Young Justice kids having to deal with the Reach. You know, they couldn't just blow up the spaceship. They couldn't just kick them off the planet. You know, the Reach was doing a big PR campaign. So you know the the Justice League, as shown by Captain Adam, you know, kind of had to be like, you know, walking on walking on eggshells, you know, and just trying to, you know, do the best they can to explain, you know, why do they have a giant satellite in orbit? You know, uh, why don't they agree with what the Reach did with this? You know, why don't they do this? Yeah, yeah, all that intrigue stuff was also what was good about um, the second season of Justice League Unlimited. It's it's sort of the, I mean, they even make a point of referencing Watchmen in that season. It's that whole idea of these essentially kind of like a, a, a private military group almost you know yeah. that are that have got godlike powers and it's like well who gives them authority to do anything and those questions when they ask those questions in these in these shows i think they they get it at some really um some really good stuff yeah, and i think actually about. the great i think these shows do a better job at getting at it than i think uh really marvel comics did when they got into the whole civil war type thing you know because with marvel comics it just felt like artificially creating a problem you know that that really nobody has ever had a problem with before but now all of a sudden let's make it a problem but you know i like the way that uh, that dc animation has handled it first with justice league and then also even more here with uh, young justice you know which, yeah which is not to say that you know they weren't trying to reach a legitimate point in something like marvel civil war but Still, just the way it was handled, you know, it was just, I, you know, I, I, I just, I didn't, at the time, I was not very comfortable with it, and, you know, I'm still kind of not really comfortable with it, but, you know, again, I think, I think just the way that it was done in animation was handled a lot better, and it also, sure. it also didn't require characters to act in a very, you know, out of character way, you know, it didn't require, you know, somebody to be, to go from being, you know, uh, you know, like, sorry, hold, hold on, I'm gonna, okay, but you know, it, it didn't, you know, didn't require characters to just be now all of a sudden go totally out of character, you know, like for example, Tony Stark being perfectly okay with taking fellow heroes and locking them up, and you didn't have that, you know, you just, you know, that was, I thought that was, you know, it's, and, and it's one of these things where again, yeah, it's understandable because, yeah, I mean, if, you know, there were people who had like a satellite over my head, I'd kind of be questioning it, but, you know, it's still it's also it's also saying that yeah, one of the things about having a, a superhero world is it's a separate world. You know, you don't have to you know you don't have to go to real world. You know, that's true. If that's you true. did, then why the hell would you have somebody with a magic green ring that lets them fly through space? <laughs> yeah, and and they get it those those things like the politics of the the Lantern Corps not being able to interfere with Earth because if they invited the Reach there and stuff. And I thought that that was all really good stuff. I, it's a nice in-story way for why you know Hal Jordan, John Stewart, and you know the rest of the core haven't like shown up yet at the doorstep. It's like, oh well, they they can't. You know, they they're under rules. Hands are tied. <laughs> tied. You know, I'm sure that you know, I'm sure that yeah, Hal's thinking, ah, oh, damn it, you know, I could we could solve this in a minute if we if we were able to go in. Right, and I think that's what I um that's ultimately where I kind of have to have to land on the side of of saying that it, that it's a good show is because of things like that. I mean, you create your world, you create characters that you care about, that you, uh, 
you know, you, you evolve them in a way that makes sense, um, and then you put them in these really dire, difficult situations. Like, I mean, the it, it's kind it, it's kind of I mean, I don't know if you've ever read Vaughn's uh, Runaways series, the Marvel series. Yeah, I've read parts of it. It seems kind of like there was a little bit of I'm not saying you know I mean that idea has probably been around forever, but that you've got the kids. Where I mean, I mean, what is it? Artemis and and Aqualad both have parents who are villains, um, and and so they have to sort of reconcile that aspect of their their backstory and their and their history. And there's good, um, you know, like high end potential for drama there, in, in in how that that ambivalence. I mean, especially because as you are part of being a kid is, and growing up too is kind of learning to kind of put your your parents opinions about things and attitudes about things and becoming your own person you know yeah, <laughs> learning like okay I mean, you know standing and, up to your father you know <laughs> yeah exactly and i mean and here you know you have i mean this is this is kind of an ultimate form you know where where yeah they have parents but you know the parents are like hey why can't you follow me into the biz and uh you know help me be a mercenary working for lex luther it's like well dad i just don't want to do that Right, and and then Luther was an interesting character. The way they kind of played him out at the end of the, of the, the second season too, kind well, of I guess doing what he does. It turned like the minute that uh, Luther was talking about having his own uh, his own little Justice League and using the uh, the kids who were freed by the Reach. Right. I you know I, I looked at that and I said, yeah, he's gonna try and you know he's gonna try you know he's he's obviously not on the same side as as the aliens. You know he's he's obviously once again doing the Luther thing of you know playing his own game and this Definitely. is it's, and that's that's again a very you know a, a very Luther thing to do. You know it's not you know I mean yeah he'll he'll shake your hand and go yes I'd love to work with you. And then, you know, look at his other hand, make sure it's not behind his back with the fingers crossed. Right. Well, Luther's always been, I found him to be very compelling as a character, especially the way they've done him in most of the DC stuff, uh, animated stuff, because it's it's like you you don't get a sense that he's this, like, overriding malevolence. Like, that's what Darkseid is, you know, Darkseid or whatever. He's, he's the anti-life equation, and Luther is just a guy who, you know, wants to be in charge and doesn't doesn't appreciate the fact that that there are these super beings that sort of do lord it over all of us. Yeah. You know, well, he's like, you I know, mean, <laughs> and in that sense you kind of can be on his side sometimes and understand where he's coming from and that makes him uh, you know a, a more complex as a as an antagonist and not even so much as a villain a lot of times. And that's how they played him a lot in the old DC series in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, especially at the end of Justice League Unlimited, which I thought was kind of cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, and especially just like cuz Luther, I mean, yeah, Luther's just kind of one of these guys that I mean, he has this air of superior cuz it's like, hey, I'm the smartest guy in the room and I'm a human being. Why can't I be in charge? You know. Right, yeah. And he also he has built it. It's kind of interesting, like at times how he has an interesting sort of, I don't know if I'd call it nobility, but, you know, the certainly a kind of attitude that, you know, some, you know, like the Reach want to basically rule the planet. And, you know, I think in, in Luther's mind, he's like, yeah, no, if anyone's going to rule the planet, it's me. So, you know, out of out of necessity, that means he'd have to take them down. You know, it's like it's. It, it's not just it's not just enough to see uh, humanity ruled over. It has to be him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if nothing else, I feel like I mean, 
you talk about the the incorporation of more characters and stuff, and that does just that does inevitably make it trickier because like you like I'd look at it and be like oh I'd love to see Luther do more but it's like well yeah but that's Superman's bad guy and Superman's not in this show as much and even though there's kind of a have your cake and eat it too aspect to having as many characters as they have and having all the Justice League proper in it too is it's like well I guess they can just throw them in and they did in that one season one episode where they had like the Legion of Doom or whatever in the swamp and Joker was yeah. in it and everything. <laughs> By the way, I gotta say, uh, as much as I miss uh, Mark Hamill doing the Joker and I know that he has pretty much officially retired and hung up his purple coat, I gotta say though, the choice of Brent Spiner to be the new Joker voice, I thought he worked out splendidly. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean... That, if nothing else, they at least, I mean, they're, they made a point to kind of like, I don't know, I guess they picked a world and they created it themselves, and so that Joker is definitely not the same Joker. You know, you're not sitting there like, I mean, it's it as much as it kind of has a similar animation quality and style, not not even really style to the, to the you know, the older DC animated universe, which I'd say was relatively consistent once they started, like, you know, the new Batman Superman adventures. Um, you know, it is it is very much its own thing. You know, you're not going to sit there watching Young Justice and be like, "Oh, I wonder if they're going to do a callback to like, you know, Matt Hagen as Clayface or something." It's like, no, they might use aspects of these characters, but it's not going to. It doesn't connect. So for for all of us continuity comic book nerd types, we we, we have we have to. Just, it's pretty. They make it pretty easy for us to just kind of separate it and be like, "Okay, this is its own thing." Yeah, and, and I mean, uh, I while, like that. I guess. Yeah, and I mean, while while Joker sounds a little Mark Hamill esque, while everybody their voices may kind of sort of feel like old school, they're also their own thing. You know, the way the characters interact. But one thing I will say is that I don't know. I look at this series, and to me, it feels like a last hurrah of like a classic DC feel. Sure. Because like absolutely. you look at you look at Superman and you know he's the classic Superman look. He has the red trunks. Uh, right. They had Wally West as a major character. Um, you know they had you know the uh, they had the Green Lanterns. They had you know they they looked classic. Uh, you know that's the thing. I mean I got to be honest. You mentioned the New Fifty Two uh, earlier. You know I got to be honest. I I tried to get into it and. I don't know. I find myself really the only books that I'm following with any regularity are Green Lantern and uh, Legion of Superheroes, which are one of only a handful of books that have kind of kept themselves uh, pretty much the way that they were before we had this sort of rebranding. You know, I mean, right. I, I tried following Justice League, and I just I was like, eh, this this just doesn't feel right. You know, it's it just doesn't feel, you know, it just doesn't feel like, you know, like, like my league anymore. So, you know, I, I dropped the book. I tried to do the Earth 2 book, and it just, it didn't feel right to me either. You know, so, you know, it was, Young Justice was kind of this nice little, you know, one, you know, place where you could still have DC, you know, the way it was before they decided, okay, we're just going to start fresh. You know, we're going to start... Yeah, fresh. Every, everyone gets armor. <laughs> yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody gets armor. You know, we're going to start with, a, you know, Superman is not going to be, you know, Superman's not going to have Lois. He's not going to be as squeaky clean as he used to be. You know, it's, Right. So, you know, it was kind of nice seeing, like, a more classic approach. And again, I'm sorry that uh, the series got 
you know, taken taken out, you know, before it's time. Because I mean, there's they just set up for so much. I mean, you know, the big the big one was Dark Side, but you know, they even had uh, you know they had a couple of episodes with uh, Jay Garrick. You know, like right. showed up. Uh, you know, they had you know they had uh, a major plot point with Doctor Fate. You know, I I look at that and I think, wow, you know, what if we would have gotten uh, the Justice Society showing up? You know, because if we got Flash and we got uh, Doctor Fate, hey, why not the Alan Scott Green Lantern? You know, why not? Uh, you know, why not Wildcat? You know, why not uh, the Golden Age Adam? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. or hell, you know, even uh, I mean, yeah, this would uh, this would put a lot of people in the cast, you know, maybe have the Justice Society and introduce some of the younger heroes that uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Johns put in his comics, like uh, you know, Star Girl, uh, Judo Master, you know, uh, Damage. You know, why not why not have those people in there? You know, it would have been interesting having a a storyline where we have you know the the young Justice kids who were you know mentored by the Justice League, and then we have these kids who were mentored by the Society. You know, and how do they how do they stack up against each other? What are the differences? You know, what are the similarities? You know, would they be able to work together? You know, or would there be would there be conflict there? Right. Yeah. That, that's just potential that is now, you know, who knows if we'll ever find out? You know, who knows if we'll ever find out if that's where it was heading towards? You know, the other thing, the other um, story that was kind of left hanging with uh, with the end of the series is Wally. I mean, it did look like he had sacrificed himself in stopping the reach, but yeah, right. I don't, Somebody had to go. Yeah, but, but I don't know. I, I don't know because the way it happened—that it was all related to him, you know, him trying to to run really fast, and just the fact that he kind of like disintegrated. I don't know. I don't know. There was something. Well, it's a superhero act- book, so yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a superhero comic, and just and the fact is, once again. You know, one of the rules of drama, period, is nobody, they ain't dead. So, you know, the fact or if, that if, if you're Morrison, yeah. yeah. There's a body, it matches the genetic code, but uh, no, no. It's a clone. Yeah. yeah, I love it. But, yeah, it's, you know, to me, it's it's just the fact that the way he, he, the way he died, I just, I can't help but feel that, you know, he was meant to show up later. Like, either they do something with the speed force or you know maybe Wally showed up in the future where Impulse came from. You know maybe he's there and they have an episode where they go rescue him. You know, it's, I just I, I I just didn't think you know I just didn't think given given the history of the Flash and comics in general that didn't feel to me like uh oh you know they killed Wally, especially right. because given the fact that you had this whole thing where everybody thought Artemis was dead, to kind of like flip it over I don't know I just I. I feel like, yeah, I, I don't think Wally's death was real. Definitely not. I mean, well, it was, it was, you know, like, like I said, I think, I think they, they probably, they didn't want the show to end. The writers and stuff working on it, and so they, 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 they gave you an ending, but they also gave a lot of, like you said, loose threads to linger and to, to let it live on in whatever form it may take later, or um, just, you know. In the in the creative minds of, of of the fans on their own, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's enough. Yeah, there's enough stuff that you know. Uh, there's enough stuff that I don't know if uh, I need to double check because I know that there was a spinoff comic to uh, Young Justice. I'll have to double check to see if it's still uh, if it's still out there or if they can that as well. And, and it was related specifically to the show because because it yeah, wasn't wasn't no, it, yeah, there it, a thing it about it the, related. It, it is was related. A comic. Yeah, it's related specifically to the show. 
I did see one issue once in a, um, I think I was at a Barnes and Noble. I did see one issue once, and it did the uh, the issue did take place um, during the events of that uh, that episode where the kids are trying to uh, trying to watch the convoys that are delivering the Amazo parts. Oh, right. Yeah. It's that episode, but then it's from the viewpoint of Artemis. Okay. So it's like, because remember that episode, it did hint at Artemis, but we never saw her. And, you know, this, this issue, what happened was we saw the events from her point of view. So we saw her shadowing the, uh, the young justice kids. We saw her uh, saving them at the end, you know, and it's just her kind of trying to go over. It's like, well, I'm going to be, int- I'm going to be introduced to these guys uh, pretty soon. And, you know, just how nervous she was given her background and, you know, given what's going on. So it was cool. It was cool. And, you know, I hope, I hope that the series is still going because I would love for there to be some place where we could get, uh, you know, what Weissman was going to do, you know, kind of like how for a while, and I'm sorry, this didn't work out, you know, for a while, uh, Weissman was with a comic book company, Slave Labor Graphics, and he got to continue the Gargoyle story the way he wanted to. And, you know, we were were heading towards, you know, everything that he had laid out. And, again, unfortunately, for one reason or another, it just didn't work out. And it's a shame because, you know, he – the thing I like about him is he just – he sets up this world and he sets up all this stuff. And it just – it flabbergasts me that, you know, at least twice now – and I I think he also did uh, one of the Spider-Man cartoons in the early 2000s, but at least – of the two that I've seen that I've watched regularly, it's, it's just so frustrating to see them not take off. And it doesn't feel like a case where fans just couldn't get into it. It feels more like uh, something from on high where, you know, some judgment by a studio head or, you know, some right. channel was just like, yeah, we're going to go in another direction. So, you know, we're going to we're going to close up shop on this series. And, you know, it's one of these things. I mean, that's I feel a similar frustration because at the same time I'm following Young Justice, I was following Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And that's oh, another that, that one got canceled. Yeah, that one got canceled. Um and what it what it seems like, and again, I could be wrong, but I'm getting this off reports that I've seen online. It seems like it was canceled not because it wasn't uh, it wasn't getting in the viewers, not because it wasn't popular, but because uh, the head of animation for Marvel, which is uh, comic book writer Jeff Loeb, thought, yeah. "Oh, let's do a series that's not quite serialized, that's more standalone, and let's have the cast be more like the Avengers movie to draw in people who like the movie." So, okay. they, and at least that series, while it did have one or two dangling plot lines it did have an episode that did feel like an ending, you know, that didn't, okay, feel, that didn't feel like, uh, oh, this is the close of season two. You know, at least they, they did have an episode that felt like a conclusion, but it's still, you know, it's just annoying because, again, it's not that it wasn't, it was not that it wasn't a success. It's not that people saw the show and thought, oh, my God, this is lame. No, people liked the show. People wanted the show to continue, and it was a decision from on high, based off some nebulous idea on what people want, you know? Yeah. One of these things where I would love to sit one of these people down and go, where are you getting this idea that this is going to be better? Where are you getting this idea that 
you know, the only way you're going to do a successful um, Marvel cartoon is if it mirrors the movies. Where are you getting this idea that a DC cartoon, that the only thing that's going to work is computer animated uh, CGI shows and, you know, this utterly goofy uh, kid-like Teen Titans cartoon? You know, it's, it's very frustrating. I mean, especially when you look at uh, the quality of the DC animated films. I mean, I yeah. love them. I love them. I mean, I think there's there's barely any uh, DC animated film that I didn't like. I mean, yeah, there's some that I I like more than others. You know, like I'm a huge fan of the uh, the New Frontier adaptation. Uh, you know, I loved the two Green Lantern movies that they came out with. But you know, that to me just feels you know more. You know, it, it feels like the better product. You know, just yeah, feel, it is. It feels That's like why, been with DC for why is it that you know why is it that we have to wait for a DVD come out to get something this great? You know why do we have to wait for the DVD? Why can't they do something like this on a regular basis? You know why can't they the, have, you know a series that is that is this good quality that just happens to be animated? With Tim leaving. Um... The DC. I mean, I, I I don't know what the next uh, projected straight to DVD is going to be, but I, I have to wonder. I mean, to well, sort of put a conclu- conclusion I, I, on the I whole thing, do, it seems like it's all the next. What the next? Uh, what the next straight to DVD is going to be? Uh, the next mm-hmm. one is going to be based off the uh, the Flashpoint miniseries, the one that led oh. to Fifty Two. So. So there, see that, and then that's what's happening. It's. I mean, really, uh, it's very telling of of, of the the the, morph, <laughs> the morphing nature of uh, of what's happening, especially with the big two comic book companies, as they're trying to kind of streamline things. They're 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 doing more for to. to I mean, the comic books are supposed to market the movies, basically, at this point, it seems yeah, to a degree. They're still they're still know they have to cater to, to to the fans, but I mean, when I, when I think of like trying to get back into more Marvel books, like I'd I'd like to do. I'd like to be reading an X Men book or two or something. I mean, when I was a kid in the '90s and the cartoon was out and everything, it was like there was two or three X Men books every now and again. There'd be a frustrating crossover where you you, you kind of had to buy a couple other books. But it wasn't like now when there's like eight Wolverine books on its own. It's like this character is so oversaturated that he doesn't have any. He's just in everything because that's what what everyone knows from the movies or whatever. And it's like he's in Avengers, he's in you know, or, or the this fact X Men and that X Men. Yeah, or the fact that like uh, you know you have uh, the Avengers and well, Black Widow has to be in the team because she's in the movie. Uh, right. You know, Captain America, uh, his costume recently changed and is looking more like the uh, the Captain America outfits in the movies. Uh, Hawkeye no longer has that purple mask thing. Now he's wearing shades, and his costume looks like it showed up in the movies. Yeah, it's, right. it's comics. Uh, it's you know other things like you know I'm a huge GI Joe fan, and basically they took the entire toy line and had to tie it into the Retaliation movie. And oh, you know, wow. the Retaliation movie got delayed for nine months while they converted it while they converted to 3D. You basically had almost no toys on the shelves because Hasbro was ready for this big push, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, movie's delayed, and it's like, oh, we got all these toys we can't bring out. Huh. You know, but but even even with a lesson like that, again, it's you know you just have these uh, you know these weird marketing exec gods, and as far as they're concerned, no, this is what we have to do. You know the. Uh, 
the comics have to reflect the movies. You know, the movie was really popular. So, you know, if you have uh, some kid who saw the Iron Man movie, well, you know, Iron Man in the comics has to be drawn like Robert Downey Jr. You know, the armor has to look like the armor did in the comics. You know, the Avengers have to have the Hulk. They have to have Cap. They have to have Thor. And, you know, Thor's costume has to look something like what was seen in the movies. For sure. And, you know, it's... To me, it's kind of a shame because one of the things that does is that just kills – that feels like it kills creativity because now you know you have – what they have to do is basically just continue what's on screen. They have to cater to the big tent is what they have to do. <laughs> when before, it's like a, a comic book could be – you could do something fantastical and uh, off the wall and it just had to sort of <clears throat> do as well as it needed to do to exist. I mean that might be why some of the popularity of some of the – I mean, I know for for my purposes, <clears throat> I'd love, like I said, I'd love to get more into more of the Marvel books. I, I have two Marvel books now that seem fairly standalone, based on kind of character and writing, and that's generally where I go with with write with comics these days. I'm kind of a fair weather follower of books, given the writers, um, and uh, and other than that, I don't have any other Marvel books. I'm mainly going to these image books because it's like it's a one and done kind of thing, you know. Like if I if I want to. If if I want to read Brian K. Vaughn's saga, I just get the issue and I go home and I can read it right then, or I could you know wait till there's four or five and read it as a clump or whatever. But the point is, I don't need to kind of get all worried about like how does this fit with this other book or any of this other stuff. It's oh, there's something kind of nice about I, that. I, I just reading myself, books as books. Yeah, no, I find myself drawn to independence. Like you know, I some of the stuff I've been reading, I've been reading uh, IDW's Transformers stuff. Uh, especially there's a series called Regeneration One, which picks up where the 80s comics left off. Oh, uh, wow. You know, I, I've been reading uh, IDW's Doctor Who miniseries, Prisoners of Time. You know, and that's the thing. It's supposed to be like, there's supposed to be a big overreaching story, but, you know, each individual issue kind of can act as like a little standalone thing. So, you know, you that's know, the I, best comic writing is that yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, and then also, like, the other thing I got into is, you know, I can't wait to get into uh, is the return of Kurt Busiek's Astro City. You know, like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that, and it's great because it's a little anthology, and, you know, you don't have to have every single issue, but if you do, you have this nice, huge, giant world full of stories, full of characters, and the cool thing, especially for me and the way I feel, is I don't have to worry that, oh, you know, the characters are going to change because, you know, the movie did really good or the cartoon <laughs> did really good. You know, it's it's this world that just, you know, I can get into and all the changes are not because, oh, well, we have to reflect the really popular movie. The changes are, well, because these characters are growing and because now they're in a different place. And, you know, yeah. that to me, that attracts me. You know, and it's – and again, you know, what just gets me is, you know, just – changing to reflect, you know, the, the ad mentality, you know, um, I think what, what gets me, I think is, um, I remember growing up as a kid, you know, I, I loved GI Joe and the Marvel comics were different from the, uh, from the cartoon. And I accepted that, you know, I didn't care. I thought both were cool in their own way. You know, you don't have to have, uh, a GI Joe cartoon where, Duke has to look like Channing Tatum. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't have to, you know, you don't have to have a Transformers cartoon where the character designs are based off the Michael Bay film. You know, if you just had a good cartoon, it was a good cartoon. That was it. 
you know. And yeah, you, same way with like Batman and stuff. Yeah, exactly, you know. So and the X Men cartoon and things. I mean, what I was looking for was was I was looking for something that was a little um, less for kids, and it kind of was in both kids. You know, it's like, oh crap, you know, they're they're you know people are you know getting killed and. Things are a little more brutal and violent, and <laughs> yeah, exactly. and I kind of like that about about the Batman stuff and things, especially yeah, when you get into that's the what I liked about stuff. you know that's what I liked about uh, gargoyles, you know, which was yeah there were there were things at stake, you know, characters died. Uh, hell, the first episode of the series involved genocide, you know, you had an oh, entire wow. race getting wiped out. I mean, okay, yeah, it was kind of sanitized because they were all stone at the time, and, you know, it was a lot of silhouette work, but still, I mean, wow, you know, it's just, it, it was interesting to see, and, you know, again, it's just, it it feels a shame that, you know, this, this guy who's done so much, who's done some great work, you know, that once again, it's like one of his shows is just brushed aside, you know, it's it's a shame, because he, he deserves to be working more, you know, Weissman deserves to be Right there with Bruce Timm and Paul Dini, you know, he deserves to be one of these people who just shapes animation. And you know, instead, I just I think he's being treated like dirt, you know, and just his stuff yeah. constantly being swept aside, you know, and his stuff just not, you know, for some reason not being able to continue, and you know, his worlds just not being able to grow the way they're supposed to, and you know, and just grow in a realistic way, you know, like characters actually getting to a point B. You know, rather than oh, we'll shove a point B because we have this really awesome storyline that you're gonna love. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. It's something, you know, quote unquote organic approach to, to to doing it. That would be that would be good. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't know what what the landscape of animation in the states is gonna amount to these days at this point. You know, because it did seem like they did for a while when they started Young Justice it was also when they were starting the new Thundercats and also when they were gonna then do the Green Lantern and they were kind of pushing to kind of do action cartoons again um it is, it is an interesting point though you know you, you talk about um you talk about anime and then you talk about uh you talk about movies and comic books and all this stuff and, and how it relates and doesn't work and it does seem like like i honestly don't know i don't know if there's a real market from 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 a children's perspective or from even like sort of you know Arrested Development types like me that, that um, for the Saturday morning action cartoon. I mean, it's sort of unfortunate, but I feel like I wish there was, and I feel like part of that could be a more intelligent approach to like the resurgence of something like Toonami, where unfortunately right now the way it's done, I think it's, um, I think their programming is a little a, a little questionable. Not not the, the shows per se, but just the, the the organization of it and the fact that there's still kind of like a a two or three hour Adult Swim lead in. I, I feel like when I was a kid and yes I didn't have there wasn't YouTube everywhere and everything wasn't that way but I mean I got into to more adult and action cartoon type stuff and anime and everything from like the sci-fi channel show and stuff you know uh, on a Saturday night or something oh god and oh, I, 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 feel, I feel like that's the thing to do are you talking about the Saturday anime thing yeah sure like when they yeah, like, you know, know when they used to have Saturday mornings you had like an anime you had a an, an animated an anime movie and you know they showed they showed Akira. They showed Galaxy Express three nine. They showed Robot Carnival. Robot Carnival. Yeah, you know, it's just that's the yeah you know, that, that's the other thing. I mean, it feels like yeah that action cartoons. It's a shame because it feels like there's a mentality, and again, it feels to me like this is at more of a corporate level. You know, this is more not at a creative level, 
where the whole thing is, okay, what can we tie this into? You know, what, what movie can we tie this into? You know, what can we tie this into that, you know, has like toys on the shelves, you know, and it's a shame, you know, it really is because also it feels like the only way you can get something adult and I'm using air quotes in this is, you know, stuff that's the family guy mold where it's adult quote, 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 because, Oh, we're going to stick in a fart joke or, you know, we're going to stick in uh, a sex joke or, you know, we're going to stick in something shocking because it's shocking, you know, like, oh, right. basically, you're talking child. about com- it's comedy stuff, right? It's, comedy but, but, animation this big, but it's but not yeah. even. But it's not even. But that's the thing. It's not even that it's just that it's comedy animation. It's you know lowbrow comedy right. animation where you're laughing not because something's funny, but because it's you know shocking, and you're wondering what the hell was the censor like on a bathroom break when when this was uh, when this was done? You know, did they uh, you know did they slip this? past the radar somehow because you know it's just again it's not it's not humor because of actual humor it's humor because it's like look look at how shocking you know you didn't expect to see this on tv did you yeah you're right it's, it's a it's shame shock stuff. i want to think you know when i think of you know something trying to be adult it's not because it's you know shock value it's not because it's like we get to say poo on tv it's because it has a certain sense of story, you know, a certain sense of handling itself that it's saying, you know, you guys are grown up, so we're not going to pull our punches. We're not going to act, you know, like we have to sugarcoat anything. You know, if this is a war cartoon, then people are going to die. You know, if this is a, a uh, you know, if this is a superhero cartoon, then, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to deal with earth shattering stuff. You know, it's not going to be about uh, Lex Luthor and the Legion of Doom trying to take over a cookie company. You know, they're going <laughs> to they're gonna be trying to steal a doomsday weapon. And, you know, if they happen to nuke uh, an entire countryside, they're going to nuke an entire countryside. You know, it's, that's the thing. You know, that's what I want to think about when I think adult animation. And, you know, that's what I think of when I think of, you know, stuff like Young Justice, when I think of, you know, what, when Weissman wrote Gargoyles, when I think of, Justice League Unlimited, you know, that to me felt adult, you know, because it, it, it felt like I wasn't being spoken down to, you know, it felt like they didn't think that the audience is just, oh, look at how cool this is, you know, it's, yeah, this is really cool, and look, you know, we have this really gripping thing besides. Right. You know, and it's just... Yeah, I mean, I... I almost I'm sorry. I, about I, I didn't. I didn't mean to get off on a rant, but you know, just. I mean, I don't know, but that, that's good. It's, I like to close on rants. <laughs> um, I, I, I think, um, and as I think about, like, I was telling, telling, telling Zach this a couple um, when I was a kid. You know, in, in the comics in the '90s, uh, I would think about like the idea of a Spider-Man movie and be like, wow, you know, one of these days, you know, in ten years or something, they're going to have the uh, visual effects at the point where they can just tap into all these years worth of stories. And I mean, I, I'll say now that for the most part, I've been pretty pretty pleased with most of the comic book movies that have come out. And I feel like the next step is going to maybe be, I mean, maybe it is the end of action cartoons, but, you know, that are quote unquote adult or whatever. But maybe the next step will be more live action stuff that's got, because the point, the point for me has always been like, it's animated because you can do both experimental and highly spectacular things far cheaper than, you know, building sets, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. um, and But but now that you don't have to build sets anymore, uh, you know, that you can kind of create... I mean, it's... I mean, something... 
something that's 90% green screen essentially is mostly an animated movie, whether, <laughs> whether it's got live action people in it or not. And so I wonder if that's going to be the next, it, trying to put an optimistic spin on all of this, if, if the, the next turnaround is going to be this kind of level where comic book movies have evolved to the point where that's not even a term anymore. It's not like it fits a certain genre or anything anymore. It's just like, that's the, re, that's, that's the adaptation, the, sor- the source material was ad- adapted from that. And maybe there will be like a live action X-Men TV show in 10 years or something. I don't know. And that might be awesome. You know, that would, um, you know I, I, I honestly, I really, that's a, I honestly hope that that's the case. But I think the other thing that needs to be um, addressed is that would be a great sort of next step up. But the other thing is it's not just about the special effects. It's not just about having the special effects to really show off Ant-Man shrinking and growing. But give us a good story to go with it. Like, it's not just about, oh, you know, here's a guy who can shrink really small or who can grow, like, 10 feet tall. You know, what else is behind it? You know, just give us right. a good story. And also, and that's, you know, that's don't... what they've got with the comics. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've got those. They've got 50, 70-plus years of, of stories there that they can both draw from, and then they can adapt. And So, I mean, that, that's what I meant by that next step yeah, up. And I mean, exactly. I, I might sound... I, I might be in crow on this, and I can't say for sure, but, I mean, I look at something like the trailer to the newest Wolverine movie, and I'm like, this looks like... This is like the fifth or sixth movie with Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine in this character. It's almost like... This has kind of gone to that next generation of what comic book movies are going to be. And like I said, you know, to the point where it stops being like a genre and it just sort of becomes like, no, these are the characters that we drew from. These are storylines we're drawing from, material we're adapting. And it's no longer like in your mind you have this category that's called comic book movies and it's this, it has to be this certain thing. Because the movie looks very, um, just from the trailers, I mean, like I said, it could just be being crafted that way from the trailers. I can't say one way or the other. It could be a total, you know, dog. But it looks... It doesn't look like a comic book movie, per se, you know? It looks like a kind of super... Sure, there's a super heroic and high-end action element to it, but it's got... You know what I mean? And so in, and so in translating something like a Star Wars TV show to live action, or, um, like I said, a comic book property or something, I mean... It goes without saying, from my perspective, that it would be mar- married perfectly with just this sort of new golden age of television that we're having, which is all about story. It's all about smaller episode counts, so you've got a, uh, you you've kind of got a little more production value. It, and I mean, to be honest, it's about kind of maybe taking a smaller piece of the pie, but getting a richer meal for it, with uh, cable channels like like FX and AMC being able to not need to draw in such a huge percentage of the viewership and also the way that they're changing metrics on how they're even taking ratings and stuff. One of the newest Wired magazine had a lot of really good stuff about about you know television and and all this stuff. So well, also it's, I think you know I mean that's you know you look at something like um I look at something like yeah you mentioned FX AMC. I also look at channels like HBO which by the way has been adapting Game of Thrones. And how right. to me what I what What's great about that is you also have that added incentive where you don't have to worry about, uh-oh, we're showing this show on uh, the 7 to 9 p.m. block, and you know we have advertisers, right. so, oh, can we cut that out, or can we you know, go back on that, you know, where they're now not allowed to pull their punches in terms of story and in terms of visual you know, for the sake of, uh-oh, we can't get the advertisers upset. 
Right, yeah. I mean, it, and that's, I mean, it's weird since they, I mean, I was, I remember before they had the rating system for television and then they have it and it's, it, 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 there is a, there's an oddness to me where a show like The Sopranos on HBO, which, you know, can have, you know, nudity and, and, you know, F-bombs left and right is TVMA. And then there's also a show like on FX that doesn't have those two things, but kind of skirts around them. And it's also TVMA. And it's like, okay, this is, there's, there really is, I mean, and they're getting more towards what, what would be essentially R-rated programming on, on AMC and FX, but isn't quite there. And I mean, I'm not saying like that that's like a sign of sophisticated storytelling or anything, but like you say, once those restrictions are kind of alleviated and, you know, the market share is, is more within control and the distribution methods are, are stronger, you know, like how to give people content. Well, give it, give them the entire series on Netflix, like, you know, Fincher did with, uh, with that thing. I mean, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just interesting to see. I, I, you're right. It's not about the special effects, but in a practical sense, it, it, it is, if we're talking about what the value of an action cartoon had versus what you can still sort of, what, what you can achieve now. It's like if it was a cartoon, it was drawn because you couldn't build it or you couldn't, you know, you couldn't make it convincingly work with people running around in real life, you know? So, but now if you can with visual effects stuff, then it's like, okay, so now we can do our spectacular stories and, you know, spectacle being the lowest form of drama, you know, if you follow the Aristotelian model, you've got that part. And that's what I've always liked about science fiction. That's what I've always liked about, you know, uh, anime and about uh, just action cartoons in general is, yeah, obviously it goes without saying, I got to care about the characters. I got to be invested in the drama, the story, but I mean, I'm watching them for the spectacle too. I mean, like that's 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 the icing on the cake. Well, yeah, no, but, and, but see, you you hit the nail right on the head, which is the spectacle is the icing on the cake. It's part. It's one of the ingredients, plural. You know, it's uh, the only reason that I put that in there when you said that is because you know I just get this feeling that again, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not bashing creators. You know, I'm not bashing creators right. that get involved with this. I'm more leery of kind of the people above them who, you know, will just see one tiny little piece and go, see, that's what we need more of, you know. Yeah. Special effects have gotten better uh, as far as TV is concerned, as far as movies, but it's like that shouldn't be the end goal. It's one of the ingredients. Definitely. You know, uh, I mean, I, I haven't even watched any of these magic shows that they kind of were trying to release. And I'm, I'm very leery about the networks still. I think the networks, they're getting a smaller piece of the pie. They still think that they, they're shooting the moon for things. So they, they cast big wide nets and they do stuff that tries to be everything to everybody and ends up failing like, you know, something like Terra Nova or something. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's like that, that's just not the direction to go in. So I don't know if, if the big networks are going to just invariably have to go with god awful, you know, reality programming and, you know, lowbrow sitcoms in order to survive and then leave the dramatic storytelling to the uh to the cable channels at this point. I mean, we'll, we'll see with something like Hannibal, like a, but I don't know. Well, even then cuz I mean, remember the thing about Young Justice was on Cartoon Network. Right, yeah. Right there so we have channel. right there we have a channel which is not part of the big uh 4 or 5. You know, it's not part of network TV. And, you know, they had a chance to really do something spectacular, and, you know, they just said, okay, well, let's do two seasons, but, hey, you know, let's do this, uh, 
you know, slightly goofy Teen Titans cartoon and let's put a CGI Batman cartoon and, you know, any work that was done with uh, these other two cartoons that are being replaced, the Green Lantern series and Young Justice, well, you know, forget it. You know, that's, you know, just tossed tossed by the wayside, which is unfortunate. You know, it, it is because, again, it just feels, you know, just like a mentality not from a creative point of view, but from, you know, some somebody sitting on high looking at, some sort of nebulous uh, demographical information and just saying, well, you know, based off this research, you know, uh, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I try not to even get involved with any of that. I mean, it, I, I feel like, I feel like, if nothing else, as much as people get paranoid and wigged out about all the, uh, you know, the collapse of privacy through the internet and everything, it's like, well, I mean, maybe at least, you know, you can draw, you can get more accurate demographic research and realize, no, actually. People are watching this <laughs> because it's good. And look at when you start doing weaker episodes or you know pandering to this to that, it like there's a marked drop. <laughs> yeah, although, I mean, the internet yeah, culture and everything else days, is kind of useful in that sense. Yeah, there are some days where I kind of have to wonder. I mean, with with the internet and with message boards and stuff, uh, right? Yeah. You know, what are they What are they looking at? Like, did they go? Because you know, I don't know. Maybe I just go to the wrong message boards because. Uh, Sometimes it feels like, wait, did th- does this person even know that we're saying this? Do they even care? Because yeah, if they bothered, if they bothered to look, they would realize you're not attracting viewers. You're not attracting fans. In fact, the people that you should be attracting, the people that would probably help, you're not. You know, you're you're pushing them away. You know, like right. um, you know, again to bring GI Joe in uh, into the discussion. There was uh, a cartoon, G.I. Joe Renegades, and it did one season, and then it was put on hiatus, which, I mean, that's kind of a, a cute way of saying it's canceled, but no, and that's because apparently uh, the powers that be at Hasbro wanted a show that would be more in line with the upcoming Retaliation movie. But, well, you know, look at what happened. Retaliation got pushed back. There's been no word of a new G.I. Joe program, and Renegades actually ended up being kind of cool. I mean, I will admit, getting into the show, I was kind of slow getting into it, but, you know, I got into it, and I was like, this is actually a really good show. This is kind of cool. So in seeing it go on hiatus, you know, I'm like, really? Whose idea was this? You know, especially because they decided that right when the series was at its infancy. Like, they didn't even give it a chance to become successful. They just already had decided, oh, you know, we have our own little idea on what we're going to do, and it'll be really cool, and, you know, don't worry, by the time it comes out, you'll forget all about Renegades, you know, and it just... Yeah, the, even... the metrics the metrics are key, I think, and, and that's, like I said, in this Wired um, article I was reading, and I mean, they've been talking about that f- for years, it, it's, it's all going to come down to, because, I mean, these guys are in the, they're in, you know... I'm not going to knock it. They're they're trying to make money, so it does come down to ratings. But it comes down to how you're measuring these ratings to see like if this is working or not, you know. And to, you know, as as cynical and awful as it sounds, you know, Cartoon Network show and live action movies and these sort of. I come from a school of like back in the day. Like I grew up, MTV was awesome when I was a kid. MTV video. had creative guys doing cool videos, and it had a handful of really cool animations, too. But, like, it was organized in a way where it was like, oh, okay, I'll watch this now, then this. And it was it, it catered to a few different things instead of sort of doing what a lot of these shows uh, networks are doing, which is just turning into just nothing but reality show schlock. 
and all becoming the same thing. And because maybe that's where they think the most audience is for quote unquote for TV because the real audiences are, you know, watching stuff on Hulu or other mediums that aren't being measured uh, quite yet. Um, and as they're starting to measure these things, I think there's going to be, they'll, you know, there'll be a push and a pull as sort of quote unquote new media uh, avenues and distribution methods start to happen. And we haven't even at all talked about the idea of, you know, crowdfunding and Kickstarter and making, making a product, you know, a creator making a product essentially on, on, on commission or on spec to, 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 to an audience, you know, it's almost like, Hey, to feed myself and make this, I need need to make this. When you mentioned Kickstarter, because Veronica Mars did that. They just did, uh, they did a Kickstarter campaign and it's like, Hey, let's Let's do you know you want to see a Veronica Mars movie and fans responded you know and, it, and it's it's been raking it in yeah and so we'll see I mean I think if nothing else like you said you talk about the uh, the quote unquote neb- nebulous decision makers on high um, I think they're they're you know they're being reactionary and they're definitely scared and they are trying to kind of go. You know, they're trying to back a, a winning horse. And so, yeah, these movies make us a bazillion dollars. Well, let's just make more stuff to keep, you know, keep that movie machine well-oiled and well-focused. And, uh, I mean, we'll see. I mean, as it relates to action cartoons, I just don't know where in the market it is. Because I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. I mean, I'm surprised every time I, I do catch something on Cartoon Network. And it's like they're still doing ads for toys, like kids don't play with toys and not they're not just on video games all day, you know, with their phones that they have when they're eight or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I mean, so, so so there is some there is some kind of a you know, but I also have to take a step back and be like I'm being the nostalgic fuddy fuddy duddy, like you know, my day we used to play with toys and we used to watch action cartoons that had morals. Well, and hey, I just and, did, you know, I just you know. did a fuddy duddy moment there where I was like, hey, you know, I remember when I was a kid there was a, a yeah. GI Joe comic <laughs> and a trans and a GI Joe cartoon and you know. The G.I. Joe cartoon had Cobra Commander as a snake man, and the comic book had Cobra Commander as a really angry used car salesman, and I didn't care, damn it! (laughs) What is it with you kids and your... What is it with you kids and, well, if Wolverine has a leather jacket in the movies, he has to have a leather jacket in the comics. Jeez, you ungrateful little whippersnappers. Come here so I can hit you with my cane. You know, it's... Yeah, I mean, it is... You know, you kind of have to wonder how much of it is, you know, well, we're just you know, looking back with rose-colored glasses or, you know, we're just looking back on our childhoods. But I don't know, I, I still think also that, yeah, there are a few legitimate questions here and there. Like, for example, like, yeah, why why can't you have a, uh, you know, a, a DC animated cartoon that has nothing to do with the 52 comics or, you know, nothing to do with how Chris Nolan does his Batman movies? You know, I mean, why not? You know, why not? You know, if, if you do it really well, you know, why not trust that, the audience is not going to care that they're going to just be like, Oh, well, this is another way that the character can be interpreted, but it's cool. And the, the next, the next case on that is if, if that doesn't happen and it does become this stagnated thing, that's not for someone like me anymore, you know, then I, you know, I'll go to these in, independent books where it is a creator doing I, just so, that. And go to independent, as long as those exist, it's good. You yeah, know, or, um, or, you know, you go to, or, you know, you still have the, uh, classic stories done in trade, uh, you know, you'll just go to those, uh, you know, in hell you'll also, you know, you have uh, DVDs and, you know, stuff like Hulu, which shows classic stuff where you could go back and you could say, hey, yeah, I remember this, you know, I remember when it was like this and this is cool. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, I mean, no one. One thing we can always say is that no one's going to come and take the good stuff away from us. You know, the stuff that already does exist. Yeah, so I, you know, hell, um, yeah, you may have, uh, you know, you may have uh, somebody come in and go, well, you know, the new, the way, the way the universe is now. Uh, but at least those old stories still exist. It is a little infuriating that, you know, they may no longer be in continuity, but at least they still exist. And you know, you could still grab. Uh, you, know, you could grab the back issues or grab a trade and you know be able to read it and go yeah you know this was this was cool you know it's a shame that it's no longer around 